Welcome to the Simply Financial Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Calandra. Let's increase your financial IQ with today's episode, which is paired with last week's episode, which covered net worth statements. I talked at length about the importance in my mind of creating and maintaining a net worth statement, talked about what it is, how you build one, and gave various examples of why I think it is so uh, beneficial. So I have on as a guest today, Lindy Brock, my partner here at Elliott Wealth Management. She heard the episode, had some thoughts that she wanted to share with me and all of you. She has her own personal experience with doing a network statement over the last couple of years. Plus, she has her own vantage point because she works with a lot of our clients, helping them set up their network statements for the first time. So, uh, Lindy, I'm so glad you're going to be sharing some of your thoughts with us today. Thanks. I am so happy to join you on this episode. It is a very personal episode for me because of how much doing the network statement has impacted my life. So I am happy to get into this with you. I wanted to start by explaining because I do meet with a lot of clients. I have a lot of initial appointments, just like you. And one of the most common things that we will hear people say at that initial appointment is they just don't know where they're at financially. They don't feel comfortable. They feel kind of lost, overwhelmed. And obviously our recommendation to them is to start a net worth statement, which lets them know where they're at and gives them a sense of, I don't want to say control, but just a sense of knowing, just being more comfortable with where they're at. Yeah. And I think with this, we're not, um, I'm a financial geek. You're a geek. It is not a negative, we understand that people are busy, you know, they're building their business, they're working hard, they want to be a good spouse or partner, mom, dad, sister, brother, friend, I mean, there's just a lot going on. So we get we get how sometimes people may not have things in a good organized state, but that's why they hire us. One of the things they hire us for is to help with that. And what we are suggesting is with the creation of a network statement doesn't take that much time and the maintenance of the network statement is even less of a time commitment that the benefits of that the benefits of that small amount of effort setting it up and maintaining it is so so worth it and will be so beneficial that you'll be sorry you didn't do it earlier right right and from my point of view, I think that a lot of people are intimidated by the net worth statement. Personally, I had a very rough time starting my net worth statement. I was scared. I knew I had a negative net worth and it took me what, two years from when we, from when I first started with you to start doing this because I was so intimidated. And it took me really just sitting down and listing my huge uh, student loan debt, which put me in the negative and just doing the net worth statement and keeping track of it. It really 
helped me just be able to kind of accept what I had and feel more comfortable that I am making progress and doing better. Right. Because the reality is in your situation, anyone's situation is all you're doing is putting on paper or on a spreadsheet or using software, what already exists. I mean, you, you kind of know it in the back of your mind, even if it's a bad number, or especially if it's a bad number, you know it. You might not know it to the penny, but you sort of know it. This is just acknowledging it by putting it down on paper. But did you, the first one you did, and, and as you said, you, you knew it wasn't going to be a great number. You, you had dealt with a lot in your life, which we don't need to go into. But how did you feel after doing it the first time? Was it, oh man, this is a terrible experience? Was it cathartic? Was it, did it offer some hopefulness? The first time you did it, can you recall how you felt given that it was, uh, let's just say, not the most impressive number ever? So yes, it was very cringeworthy. And I did cringe when I saw the final number, but it did help me though, because I knew that things are going to get better. I knew the next quarter when I did it, that that debt number was going to go down. I knew that the asset column was going to go up and it made me feel like I had a little bit of control as to what my future held, rather than just having it in the back of my mind that I have all this overwhelming debt. Well, that's such a great word. And you made me feel bad about myself because <laughs> I, I should have used the word control in last week's episode, because that is a, a prominent feature where you could see that you do have control to a large extent, granted life's going to happen, about building assets and or reducing debt. Uh, a lot of it through intentionality, planning, paying attention, getting some help from your financial planners, accountants, you have control and you, you could Im improve those two columns and the net worth. Uh, it is, it is with your control within your control. So I'm glad, I'm so glad you use that word. The first time you did it, if I recall, you did it pen and paper, right? I did. And well, kind of. So I, I think I started by using like Mint, that it's a it's an aggregation software, a lot like our Elliott Wealth Success Planner. And you you connect your accounts to it and it automatically feeds everything in. And at that point, it was very easy. I was single at the time. I didn't, you know, need my husband's information. So with just my information, it was very easy to put in there and look at my number. Now I progressed since then. And since we got married, it was especially useful to do the pen and paper and do it manually. I was, and for me, it was a benefit too taking the time and going line by line and writing out these numbers. And since me and my husband don't combine our accounts, we each keep our, all of our assets separate. Oh, except for our house, but you, that doesn't matter. But <laughs> yeah. um, so having put everything together, that was the easiest way for me to do it because I couldn't connect his accounts through my software. So putting it on pen and paper, it was really easy to go from quarter to quarter because when I would do it, it would all be one column. 
And then the next quarter, I would go to the next column and on the same piece of paper, I would be able to easily compare month to month, month, kind of like a spreadsheet, but just a written version. Sure. So I really, I really liked doing it that way. And it really forced us to sit down together, especially because we have things separate and to have that constant or to have that focus to go through each one of our items and have a brief conversation, just like you had said last week with you and Joelle about what has changed. And it's basically our, our quarterly get together powwow of, of our finances. Now, recently I have set up a spreadsheet to, to do this. And like you said, it's very easy to go from quarter to quarter because everything is already in there and managed for you. And unlike pen and paper, you can keep your spreadsheet going pretty much into infinity. And it's nice to be able to have that last year number on there and to even have two years ago on there because you can see how you are progressing quarter by quarter or year by year. And even if you have a bad quarter, you can go back and look in the previous year and see, you know, you have made improvement from the previous year. So it doesn't really matter what the market does or what the housing market does. You can, you can still see that you are making progress. And what else, um, thank you for sharing. Uh, what else do you see in terms of your interactions um, with clients? Any, anything else you could share from your perspective about what they find when they do it for the first time and begin to maintain one? Really, it's been a lot of the same experience that I had. It was, or they say that they now feel like they're in control, that they have a handle on what's going on, that it makes those conversations with their spouse a lot easier. Well, not even spouse. I mean, even if you have a, a, a boyfriend or a partner, it just makes the conversation a lot easier. And they don't seem to have that sense of not knowing how they're doing anymore. It seems that they're, they're free mentally of that burden. Yeah, I see that too with, with clients. Uh, again, I, I think you just get such a great return on the investment of, of your time, uh, regardless of the, the platform you use. It makes people feel, feel better. And it's so much fun working with clients where you're helping them make good decisions, partnering with them, and seeing how over a period of a few years, how a lot of progress could often be made and it's not to say that everybody experiences progress. You know, people lose their jobs, um, have a bad health outcome, have to help out a family member. You know, it's not exclusively a success story. But um, by and large, it's so awesome when you see people progressing, seeing them win with money and having them maintain this network statement and seeing how their financial fortunes have improved. I know for me, and I alluded to this, is um, I don't have debt now, so my network statement's even easier. And I, I said in the call, and, and you know this because of our personal conversations, is um, I don't have debt now, but I did have debt. And in preparation for this episode and last week's episode, I went back and looked 
that back in 2016, um, when you looked at my debt column, just my debt column, I had over $1.3 million worth of debt. Jeez. And then I looked at that because that was the beginning of 2016. And then midway through 2016, it was 1.5 million. Um, and I didn't even go back and look at what I did. But at some point along that time frame, Joelle and I said, whoa, 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 that's a lot of debt. Now, to be fair, to be fair, that debt was backed up by assets. It's not debt because I was living above my means and we went on a vacation and spent $20,000 and was on a credit card. A lot of that was real estate. There was debt on the real estate, but there was a corresponding asset. And there was debt in the practice that was backed by an asset having acquired practices from retiring advisors. Um, so it was a big number, but it did have an asset associated with it. And so as we paid down the debt, we kept the asset. And so as the debt got retired and you kept the asset, things really started to snowball from there to use Dave Ramsey's term snowball. Really things progressed quite rapidly. And then some of the debt was cleared because we sold some properties in an effort to simplify things and reduce debt. So I wouldn't want anybody that was listening to say, oh, look at how hoity-toity he is. He has no debt. That's, I go back and I look at that and that wasn't that long ago. I mean, that's six, seven, eight years ago. I had a massive amount of debt, but uh, keeping track of the network statement helped because in those years when we decided we needed to clean that up and improve it and retire the debt and keep the assets or most of the assets, it was very motivational to see how things unfolded as we paid off debt, kept the assets, which by the way, if you're listening, you could picture, also gave us more cash flow that we could then use to retire even more debt and or add to assets that much faster. And it really culminated after the last couple of years with this sort of like, I felt like I finished the marathon that all of a sudden with no debt, lots of assets and a healthy income, and a healthy cash flow, things all clicked where you kind of feel like you're arrived a little bit. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is it motivational for you, I guess, is the question, like it was for me in my little dopey debt story? Absolutely. And like you, my focus on the network statement has shifted as my life has shifted. So as you paid off the debt and you now have only assets, obviously your complete shift has focused when it comes to managing your money. So through the years, I've also added some things to my net worth statement as my tips is focused because there are different things that I'd like to keep track of that can be done through the net worth statement. So some of the things that I focus on, number one, obviously my debt, making sure that number is going down. Unlike you, I do keep my vehicles on my net worth statement, but that's because we have a lot of recreational vehicles and other vehicles that we use for our hobbies. And I like to keep track of when things are sold. I, I do list what we sell things for on statement just so I can kind of track where that money went. And I keep track of my 
I have it broken out between my liquid assets and my non-liquid assets yeah. because I like to know if I need cash, what I can easily convert to cash and make sure that that number is not too high in compared to my relative net worth, because obviously you don't want idle cash kind of sitting around. You don't want an excessive emergency fund. You want that money working for you. So I also, I track my monthly savings account by account because I'm still in that aggressive accumulation stage of my life. So I also track our projected gross income from quarter to quarter. And I compare our monthly savings to our income to know pretty much the percentage of our income that we're saving. And what else? Oh, we have <laughs> being a parent. I've loaned okay. both my kids some money for vehicles. So I do keep track of the liens that are due. Okay. And we also have a pretty good gun collection. So those, obviously, they increase and decrease in value. So I do keep track of that. And with what you said in the last episode, I, I have another thing that I'd like to track. <laughs> and that's because I had, I had mentioned earlier, my husband and I don't keep our accounts combined. So this is a very good document for him to have if something were to happen to me to track my side of the accounts. That's and I do think I need to list my life insurance policies on there. So again, if something happens to me, he knows where to go for the life insurance policies. So as I've said, there's so many different ways you can use yeah. this to, to track your progress. And as your situation changes, you can, you can edit this document to your needs to make it fit for you to track the different things That's that right. are to you. It's just, it's so useful. Yeah. And it's great. There's a great discussion, I think. And hopefully the listeners feel the same way because, you know, you do some things differently than me. This is flexible enough that you could craft it so that it works for you. And it might even change over time. I do have some follow-up questions though. The, yeah. the cars. I yep. mentioned in the previous episode with the real estate, uh, how do you value the real estate? Well, I go to, I go to Zillow and there are other sites too. There's truly, uh, truly, right. One of them is an alcoholic drink and one of them is a real estate site. I think it's truly, yes. I might have to reverse, <laughs> but truly, but anyway, I go to Zillow. There's his estimate. I use that number nice and simple and easy. Granted, it might be off. It might be low, it might be high. It doesn't really matter. I just use that number because it's nice and easy. Uh, there isn't such a site for cars. So how do you value a car? How, what, how do you assign a value? There actually is a site, kbb.com, kellybluebook.com. Okay. And it gives you, it can give you different values on it. It can give you trade-in value. It can give you private party value. And that is what we use. I actually get my number because I still use Mint, but... I only, I pretty much just use it for my budget, but I do still have my assets connected to that and the vehicles flow through that and they use ABB as their source. Okay. I didn't know that. All right. Good. 
And then the second follow-up question is you talked about keeping track of your liquidity. I don't do that. And I've seen yours um, and I know you do it. And, and I think it's, um, it's a neat, it's a neat way you're using the network statements. What do you count as liquid? So uh, obviously your real estate wouldn't be liquid. Correct. Do you count your retirement accounts as liquid or that doesn't count as liquid? No, because I'm under 59 and a half and there'd be a massive penalty. If I were to access those, I don't consider that liquid. So my liquidity column is obviously bank accounts, savings accounts. I do keep my non-IRA investment account in there because I could go in there today, sell everything and have it. Okay. I believe that is it. That makes sense. So any non-retirement investment accounts, bank accounts, cash, Mm -hmm. that's that. Good. So this was... um... Great discussion. Uh, your perspective is is really wonderful. And uh, as I said at the beginning of the episode last week, I think this is one of the most important things that we help clients with. I, I really do. It's not necessarily the most glamorous of kind of things, but I, I think, as I've said before, the amount of time and effort to set it up and then to maintain it is so small relative to the benefits. It's it's a remarkable item so important and uh i've experienced that personally you have as well we've seen it with our clients so if you're listening to this and you haven't set up your network statements uh please do so we would be happy to help you if you're our clients of course we'll help you if you're not our client and want to talk to us we would welcome the opportunity to talk go to the website uh, elliotwealth.com sign up for a complimentary consultation with either lindy or i and we could um talk through how we might be able to help you with that. And uh, that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast, everyone. If you haven't um, done so, I would appreciate that. I think Lindy would too. And I'll be back with you on the next episode of the Simply Financial podcast very soon. Thanks for listening today. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of SagePoint Financial Incorporated and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Please note the information being provided is strictly as a courtesy. When you link to any of the websites provided here, you are leaving this website. We make no representation as to the completeness or accuracy of the information provided at these websites, nor is the company liable for any direct or indirect technical or system issues or any consequences arising out of your access to your use of third-party technologies websites, information, and programs made available through this website. When you access one of these websites, you are leaving our website and assume total responsibility and risk for your use of the websites you are linking to. Securities and advisory services are offered through SagePoint Financial Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC, insurance services offered through Elliott Wealth Management, LLC, not affiliated with SagePoint Financial.